This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Monday the 26th of April 2021 and I hope you all had a moving and meaningful Anzac Day. Yes, and for people in Perth and Peel, it was a different kind of Anzac Day or rather a very similar one to the one we all had last year where they were in lockdown because um, an overseas traveller who'd come back into Perth and quarantined there and spent a couple of extra days there has now gone to Victoria but has since tested positive for COVID and has passed it on to a couple of other people. Uh, Yesterday we didn't see any new cases, but Norman, we don't really know yet when that lockdown is going to lift. Yes, I mean, it's possible there'll be more cases since we recorded this uh, coronacast. And I think the situation here is similar to Brisbane a few weeks ago when you had the medical registrar being infected. And then it was a much longer period of time, but essentially a period of time where the virus was spreading and you didn't quite know where it was. This was not an immediate, you know, day one, you find the case and you control it and you could probably not go to lockdown. But here when you've got two or three days and you're not quite sure where it's spread to, it's it gets pretty scary. So that's why they've gone to lockdown here. And obviously the contact traces there and all over Australia are pretty practised now at sort of getting to the bottom of where people have been and where the exposure sites are and all those sorts of things. But one of the things that this has really thrown up that uh, Premier Mark McGowan mentioned in his press conference yesterday was just the capacity of hotel quarantine systems and whether maybe the Commonwealth needs to be doing more to support the states in that? Yes, Mr McGowan announced a reduction in flights coming back, international flights coming back into Perth through to the 30th of May, but then said he was reluctant to open up after that until the Commonwealth came to the party. And I think what you're seeing here is a continuing and perhaps growing concern among states who are carrying the burden here for hotel quarantine, that it's really not fit for purpose. It is rare that you're getting a leak. Uh, It's done very well, but when it does happen, it's incredibly damaging, particularly in this situation. And and, and some of these variants that are coming in do have a longer incubation period. And people, you you, you might actually even have to extend hotel quarantine or certainly extend the testing period. So you test people maybe at 16 days or 17 days after the hotel quarantine starts because they may get a late infection. It's incredibly complicated. Really, the solution has to be in the long term, because this is going to go on for months and months and months, is not, if not purpose-built accommodation, then accommodation like Howard Springs, where you don't get mixing of air. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, longer incubation periods there, and we've talked before about sometimes it's the variant, and but more often it's, it's the actual uh, epidemiology of what's happening in a human and the variation that comes with any virus. But what sort of purpose-built facilities, like would we be building new facilities or do these things exist that we could be uh, renovating them and getting them ready to use again? Well, there are army camps in Western Australia, for instance, that Northam could be used. Um, in, West, in, in, in Victoria, they're talking about around Avalon Aerodrome, where they would build cabin accommodation. And they're also talking about purpose-built accommodation in Toowoomba, I think, in Queensland, uh, where you simply have people isolated in a cabin and not sharing air. I mean, officials still scratch their heads terms of these leaks in hotel accommodation, but there's no mystery to this. It's through the air. Uh, Hotels, even when they're tested with ventilation engineers, are not perfect. They might think they've got negative pressure in a room sucking the air out, but the wind can change and suddenly you've got positive pressure for an hour or two. 
if you've ever been in a hotel where you can hear what's going on next door, that's not just thin jip rock between rooms. It's also that there's an air leak between the looms, rooms and that's, the sound comes with the air and the virus can come with the air. These are just not purpose-built areas where you can isolate people perfectly. Do you think that part of the problem is just that if we were honest with ourselves, no one really thought we'd still be dealing with this now? Like if we'd known that it was going to be an 18-month, two-year operation that we were going to be dealing with this pandemic for, maybe you would have built purpose-built quarantine facilities a year ago. No one wanted to make that investment because we were all hoping we'd be done and dusted by now. I think that's absolutely right. And you, um, and on top of that, we thought we'd have 4 million people vaccinated with their first dose by the end of March. We haven't had that done. And so we're late with vaccination. And India has got unprecedented numbers now. France, I think for the last month, has, is, is equal to its worst increase during the outbreak. Germany's pretty bad. You're seeing second, third, fourth waves, depending on the country, around the world. And the pressure on Australia is enormous, particularly from the Indian subcontinent. And so the vaccine rollout has gone much slower than anyone expected, as we've mentioned at length here on Coronacast. And part of the, it's not the the core reason, but one of the things that has slowed down the vaccine rollout in recent weeks is the announcement that Astra is only recommended for people over 50. And the Therapeutic Goods Administration on Friday announced that there's been three newly reported cases of suspected thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome, that is uh, blood clotting with very low platelets, in three people, a 35-year-old woman, a 49-year-old man, and unusually an 80-year-old man. And this, they look as if it's, they fit the case definition uh, for this thrombotic thrombocytopenia syndrome. And what ATAGI have done is put out, to some extent, age-adjusted denominators. You might remember we were talking about that, Tegan, the other day, last week, that what we need is actually differential risk rates according to your age. And ATAGI, I think um, on Friday it was, they put, they put that out and it's the first time they've really done it. And I think it helps people make the decision about whether or not they're going to be hesitant. So if you look at the rate under 50, it's almost exactly what we suggested on Coronacast the other day, and I was just taking a punt on it really, but it's round about anywhere between maybe 1 in 20,000 and 1 in 50,000 doses if you're under 50. Uh, that's the way it looks in the Australian data, but it also looks that way actually if you look at the European data as well. They didn't make a calculation for people over 50, but what they're saying is the overall average when you look at the Australian data is about 1 in 166,000 doses. But in fact, if you look at the over 50 separately, it is going to be incredibly low. And there are indications that that's one or two per million uh, when you actually segregate it according to age. So when when you start to see it that way, it starts to become clear that it's a bit more common than you think. It's actually quite similar to the Scandinavian numbers that the TGA kind of poo-pooed at near the beginning of this notification period for the clots. But now the, the Scandinavians, who were predominantly immunising younger people, were probably right in their estimates. One in 70,000 for Finland, maybe one in 50 or 1,000 or even commoner in Norway. So it's panning out, according to what the Scandinavians said. But over 50, it, the risk really drops dramatically to probably around one or two per million, uh, yet to be confirmed which really shows that you, you can relax a little bit about having it over the age of 50. And yes, older people will get it, but it, it will be incredibly rare. 
Right. So we were originally given a number that was sort of about one in 300,000. And what you're saying is for people under 50, that number is actually a lot, the the likelihood is is higher. But for people who are over 50, it's a lot lower. So Mary's asking, Dr. Dr. Swan, do you still maintain your view that AstraZeneca is very safe for people over 50 now that a blood clot has been detected in an 80-year-old person? Well, it's a good question. And it's relatively safe. So what the European Medicines Agency has put out is the risk of the vaccine by age according to the risk of general blood clotting and problems with COVID-19 and going to ICU. And we'll put that link on our website. And that really does scale it accordingly. So this is all about relative risk. No vaccine is completely safe. In this case, it is much, much rarer in elderly people. And you know everybody's got to make up their mind, their own mind here. But what we'll put on our website is the European data by age, which shows your risk of getting the clotting according to your age versus your risk of getting serious disease from COVID-19. In most situations, the vaccine risk is much lower than the risk from COVID-19. Well, I've got another question for you, Norman, from Wendy, who really wants you to put your money where your mouth is. Wendy says, has Norman Swan had his AstraZeneca vaccination? I thought he was over 70, so he should have had access to it for a while. Is he hesitating? Are you over 70, Norman? Wendy. (laughs) Wendy. How can you say such a thing? Wendy. You look so youthful. Exactly. All this, you know, all this cosmetic surgery I've had, you know, everything else. Shame on you. Um, I'm actually under 70, and I'm not going to tell you how much under 70 I am, but it's a lot, you know, 45, 50. Look, seriously, I will have it quite soon. It's just a question of when it opens up. I'm hearing too many stories of people being turned away when they don't qualify over 70, even when the practices have had vaccine there and nothing doing in terms of appointments. So I will be getting it pretty soon. And yes, I'll still have the AstraZeneca. I'm pretty relaxed about that. Well, now that we've cleared that up, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. But as always, friends, send your questions and comments in to abc.net.au slash coronacast. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then.